We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. And again, apologies for tinkering with the schedule so much, but so much more has happened during the course of the weekend, and frankly, after two busy basketball weekends, it was just... Huh, needed a breath, needed some time on a Monday, and knew I'd be able to put together the show for you on a Tuesday. We'll start off with basketball. We'll give what's going on in baseball and softball and tennis and lacrosse right here on the program. Basketball, number one seed Houston got pushed to the brink and basically had to do it on the opponent's home floor in Birmingham, Alabama, where Auburn Nation turned out in full force. The Cougars were on the wrong end. They closed the first half giving up some quick buckets, and Auburn had all the momentum and a 41-31 lead. Well, Houston, all it did was turn around and outscore the Tigers 50-23 in the second half, get a career-high 26 points from Tremont Mark, get 22 points from Marcus Sasser, including five threes, many as they were making that quick run to start off the second half. Said he was still feeling some pain from his groin injury that kept him out of the AAC championship game, but he was going to play through it. And Houston's defense did its thing. Held Auburn without a field goal for 10 and a half minutes. They were 4 for 24 in the second half. And by the way, 19 for 36 at the free throw line. As I said, it was 41-31 at the half. Well, Houston had the lead at 46-45 with Marcus Sasser sinking a three. By the way, Sasser and Jamal Shedd both hit the bench with four fouls when the game was still in jeopardy. Houston, again, could be at home for the Final Four. I guess the payment for that was having to be the road team in the second-round game at Auburn. They improved to 33-3 and on the season. Next game is Friday at 6-15 against the Miami Hurricanes in Kansas City, Missouri. The other part of the bracket involves a team from the state of Texas as well, so... Nothing against the Canes, but wouldn't it be something if Houston is playing Texas for a trip to the Final Four in the city of Houston at NRG Stadium? Boy, did Memphis have a chance to make it two teams in the Sweet 16. Of course, they would have had to win a second game, but that second game would have been against Fairleigh Dickinson. But they just came up, and I mean barely short, against FAU in the first round. Controversial moment. The Tigers had the ball and a lead with 19 seconds left. Granted, it was a one-point lead. There was a steal on the other side, but as the ball was sort of going in and out of hands, Memphis appeared to have called timeout with possession of the ball, but it wasn't granted. became a held ball in FAU possession, and they took advantage. Nicholas Bode with the winner with two and a half seconds left. Kendrick Davis scored 16 points despite being hurt. DeAndre Williams, 13 points, played a lot with four fouls. He had the tip-in with 34 seconds left. Memphis sure looked like it was going to win this game, so a tough way for the Tigers' season to end at 26-9. and One team left going in the NIT, and that's the Cincinnati Bearcats. After opening at home with the win against Virginia Tech, handled Hofstra. Remember, Hofstra got the eight seed as the way they do it in the NIT is every regular season champion gets an automatic spot in the NIT if they don't make the NCAA tournament, obviously. And Hofstra, a team that the Bulls beat, incidentally, went to Rutgers and won in overtime. And not sure exactly why, but Hofstra, as the worst seed on that side of the bracket, got to actually host the Cincinnati Bearcats. Tried to find out why that was, but either way, Cincinnati went to Hempstead, New York. Shot better than 50%, dominated Hofstra on the glass, 42-27, and wins the game easily 
79 to 65. Part of that inside presence, Odiaguama with just his second double double of the season 14 points and 11 rebounds, and Landers Nolly went for 20 points. We know David Julius as a shooter, he can also distribute, had nine assists in this game. Cincinnati will stay on the road. They will play Utah Valley on Wednesday night, and that should be a fun game. What a story Utah Valley State is. They were up by 23 points in the second half and up by 15 points with about seven minutes left in their conference semifinal. I mean, they were looking forward to the next round, and they got stunned on a four-point play at the end to lose to Southern Utah. What have they done after that unbelievably heartbreaking ending to their season they've gone on the road and won by double figures at new mexico and at colorado so that's where cincinnati is headed to orem utah on wednesday night ucf was hoping to join cincinnati in the quarterfinals but just didn't have the three-point game going they were trying them at oregon a couple days ago but only making five of 30 and losing to the ducks 68 to 54 so the first two quarterfinals are tonight. Oklahoma State hosts North Texas. Oregon hosts Wisconsin. Then tomorrow it's Cincinnati at Utah Valley. And UAB going to Vanderbilt. That's right. Of the six teams that are coming to the American next year out of Conference USA, five of them made the basketball postseason. FAU still going in the NCAA tournament. North Texas, who I think should have definitely made it to the NCAA tournament. I absolutely hate the fact that it's been predetermined at the beginning of the season that 20 conferences at least, usually 22, just aren't good enough to have two teams, which is, you know, like the NFL saying we're only going to take the NFC South champion this year and they're going to be the seventh seed, or baseball saying we're only going to take the AL East champion and we'll give them the bottom seed because we got to favor the power conferences. And, oh, by the way, wouldn't expansion be great? But that's another story for another day. Conference USA is at least, again, with two future American teams undefeated in the NCAA and the NIT. And the other two teams both hit the CBI, and one of them is still going. And it was almost a perfect start, but on Monday night, Rice lost by two points to Southern Utah, the team I just told you about that pulled off the incredible comeback against Utah Valley. So the Charlotte 49ers win against Milwaukee, meaning they play in the CBI semifinals. This is in Daytona Beach. Actually, the semis will be on ESPN2 tonight. Charlotte playing Radford in the second game, Southern Utah and Eastern Kentucky in the first game. So men's basketball, (laughs) losing the number one team in the country, losing a number one seed, Houston, is not going to help. Cincy and UCF, obviously pretty strong. But the five that are coming in, FAU, UAB, North Texas, Charlotte, and Rice, and then you toss in the six UTSA, which, frankly, a weaker program. Looks like it'll be a challenging conference on the men's side. On the women's side, can't really say the same. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Only one of the six future American teams made the postseason. Rice did get an NIT win against BYU, but then got hammered last night at Oregon, 78-53. to The champion of that league was Middle Tennessee State, They kind of got a raw seed and got rolled by Colorado. They had a couple other teams make the NIT but lose. We got to shout out FIU, which despite being below 500, got a WBI invite because they're coached by former Bulls assistant Jess Brooks Wiley. And they actually, after losing big to Eastern Tennessee State 81-56, turned around and grabbed themselves a couple of consolation wins. So they left Lexington, Kentucky's Transylvania University with two wins to end their season. Cal Baptist took the title of that event, by the way. As far as American conferences in the postseason, would you rather get the excitement of winning a conference tournament championship and 
somewhat unexpected trip to the NCAA tournament and then get smashed? Or would you settle for the NIT and make a run? Well, we'll tell you what happened, and you can decide. East Carolina, which coach of the year, Kim McNeil, finished third in the conference after being picked to finish second, won a tight one against Memphis in the AAC Finals, and then went to Austin, Texas on Saturday night and got destroyed by the Longhorns 79-40, to 40, 0 for 5 on threes, 10 for 56. That's right, just 10 made field goals in the entire game for the Pirates, whose season ends at 23-10. and 10. And if you're East Carolina, it's got to be even worse. You lose by nearly 40, and then Texas turns around last night and loses 73-51 on its home floor to Louisville. Meanwhile, Memphis is into the third round of the WNIT. 64-team events that were in the final 16, and Memphis, which really struggled shooting threes at the conference tournament, has found that stroke back on its home floor. 9-for-22 last night in a 79-62 win over Ball State. Leading the way was Jamira Schutz, who hasn't been, ironically, shooting the threes much at all, but was 4-for-8, scored 23 to lead the way. And now they head to a team that's going to be tough to beat, it looks like, Ball State, which went to Green Bay last night. Green Bay was one of those teams that were right there and had a chance to make the NCAA tournament fantastic record, and Ball State shut them down, 69-51. to Ball State itself will be looking for its 30th win. So you see this WNIT is filled with teams that you know were from mid-major conferences, had a good season but didn't quite make it. Well, Bowling Green had such a good season that they were actually named one of the first four out of the NCAA tournament, which means technically they were a number one seed for the NIT. And all those teams are still going, by the way, after two rounds, although two of them will have to hit the road. I'm guessing attendance might have something to do with this. Bowling Green hosting Memphis will go for win number 30. Nebraska has to go to Kansas, as we know. Kansas has a good history in the WNIT of hosting. They just rolled Missouri, by the way, Kansas, 75-47. to Rhode Island, also a first four out of the NCAA, has to go on the road to Harvard. And some other interesting matchups in the third round of the NIT. You've got Columbia, which was the Ivy champ all year long. Couldn't quite get into the field. We'll be playing against Syracuse. And get this, we mentioned Nebraska at Kansas, two former conference foes. Same thing, Arkansas and Texas Tech. That'll be in Fayetteville. And the Florida Gators are still going. They went to Winston-Salem and rolled Wake Forest. They'll play at Clemson, another ACC team in that event. But only Memphis going as far as the conference as SMU fell in the second round to Texas Tech and Tulane got beat in the first round at Auburn. Now on to softball, which begins conference action this week. Yeah, we're there. And frankly, I'm ready for it because I'm tired of trying to keep track of all the teams going all over the country and playing in events and keeping track of them. Wichita State has been the best team. They just finished up an event at home this weekend beat Northern Colorado 6-1, lost to Minnesota 5-2, then wrapped it up with wins, a tight one against South Dakota State 4-3, and then 10-1 over Northern Colorado. Actually, Wichita's going to play one more game before we get into conference play against Kansas. And starting off with a bang, Wichita State at UCF. Not exactly sure why the league went that route because these teams were picked 1-2 and two atop the league, and they're going to slug it out right from the onset. That'll be very interesting. Shockers are 23-6. and six. UCF just 18 and 16, but you look at the computer rankings, and yes, Wichita State is best in the conference, but despite having the fourth best actual win-loss record, UCF is second best according to the RPI because of their schedule alone. Wichita 22, UCF 47, Bulls by a long ways are in the third spot because they're 61, and then it drops to 
Tulsa at 90. The second best overall record. Can't fool the computers. East Carolina is 20 and 9, but they are next to last in the conference in the RPI at 102. As we told you on Bulls Beat Player of the Week, Kathy Garcia Soto. The pitcher of the week is Alex Aguilar from Wichita. Nine innings, a perfect zero ERA. Grace Jewell threw a no-hitter against number 22 Arizona State, but had to settle for the honor roll. Joined by teammate Sarah Willis. All she did was hit 500 and throw a complete game for the Knights. And then Houston's Brooke Lorenzo hit 500, along with Sidney McKinney, who's just one of the best players in the country from Wichita, hit 526. Mentioned the no-hitter for UCF. That was at an event in Stillwater where they run-ruled the Sun Devils. Lost to Oklahoma State, but that's a dynamite offense to hold them 4 nothing. We just mentioned is actually very, very good. But UCF got shut out by Arizona State the next time they played on Saturday, 6 nothing, and then played Oak State again and lost 9-4. to So I mentioned UCF's schedule. You can't get much better than that, and that'll be a very intriguing start to the conference slate with the Knights hosting the Shockers. While we mentioned East Carolina hosting an event, beat Cleveland State 5-1 to then, up the competition to their credit, played Ohio State, Lost seven to nothing. Played them again. Lost nine to two before edging Presbyterian, that Houston team, which was picked to finish right beneath the Bulls. Very promising team, and they really scheduled strong to end their pre-conference slate. They played a series at Baylor and got swept. The games were relatively competitive, but Baylor certainly the determined better team in that one. Houston will begin conference play against Memphis with Tulsa sitting out the first weekend. We'll give you a full baseball roundup tonight as we hit the air at 6.30 for the baseball game, the Bulls and FGCU. So a brief version here, East Carolina continues to be up there in the national rankings, top 10 in most. They are 16-4, UCF is 15-5, and and just two other teams above 500, both two games above being Wichita and Memphis. UCF stud catcher Andrew Sundin, they went 5-0 and last week, including beating FSU twice in the midweek. He was 12 for 22 and drove in 14 runs. Pretty easy choice for player of the week pitcher, Trey Yasevich from East Carolina. Got a win against Missouri State with 11 strikeouts and no walks in a 3-0 win. Honor roll, Dom Stagliano of UCF. Got two wins on the mound, seven of them against FSU, and five scoreless against Dartmouth. Yeah, that Dartmouth team that the Bulls split a pair with got beat in a sweep in Orlando over the weekend. Two Memphis Tigers on the honor roll. They won a series two or three at southeastern Louisiana. They're Dalton Kendrick, who relieved in three different games and did not give up a run in five innings. Logan Kohler had three homers and hit four thirty-eight and two Wichita State Shockers. I don't know. I would have found room for John Montez, but Wichita State. Chuck Ingram hit 618, 8 for 13. All right. Peyton Tolley, seven-inning complete game, struck out 12 against Creighton, I reckon. They also lost to Creighton on Saturday in 14 innings, 13 to 6. It's a rough 14th frame, so maybe they got some love on the weekly honors because of just having to endure that difficulty. We'll keep you up to date tonight on the four other games that are going on along with ours. Again, I'll be on the air at 6.15 for baseball against FGCU. And it's a Pack Wednesday slate as well. And we'll actually do a little around the American tomorrow for you. So we'll let you know what happens Tuesday along with previewing tomorrow. Real quick look at lacrosse on the women's side where Florida is always the conference champion. And then you've got Temple and Vanderbilt being the other two more competitive teams. Well, East Carolina's jumped into it this year with James Madison, new team. Both 8-1, and one, Cincy is 7-3, and three. Gators are 5-3, and three, but again, against a tough schedule. The 
Player of the Week honors, attacker Isabella Peterson from James Madison, as they actually knocked off the eighth-ranked Gators. So that was the massive result of last week, her seventh hat trick of the season. Midfielder Ava Geller from Cincinnati scored seven goals in a 19-6 win against Vanderbilt. So Vandy and Florida, two NCAA tournament teams perennially, and obviously SEC and other sports, get beat by East Carolina and Cincinnati, whose Sophia Finati was the defensive player of the week, and the goalie honors went to East Carolina's Bryn Knight, freshman Maddie Epke from James Madison, who had four assists in beating the Gators. I like the weekly honors for lacrosse, by the way. You just heard five different awards, and there are five spots on the honor roll. Can they do that for baseball and softball? Maybe the Bulls have had a couple get left off unfairly. We wrap up with tennis. The men shoot up four more spots to number 60 overall, the highest-ranked team in the conference is Tulane at 43 where last year there were four solidly in the NCAA tournament field got a lot of bubble action it looks like this year Tulane 43 SMU 47 that is right where the bubble is going to be UCF 57 right ahead of the Bulls on the women's side UCF is definitely the class of the conference at 24 where it was a two-bid league last year thanks a lot in part to the Bulls knocking off the Knights in the semis opened the door for Memphis. You could have more than two teams this year, but they're going to have to do some work to get to that point because the second best team in the conference via the computer rankings, which the NCAA tournament pretty much strictly goes by, the second best team in the conference is way down at 60. But by the way, that's your USF Bulls. How about that? The second ranked team in the conference. SMU is right behind them now in the 62nd spot, and then Tulsa at 68. That'll wrap up around the American on a Pack Tuesday show. I'm Derek Sharp.